Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to chat and chit or chit and chat? Um, I, I, I don't know. I think we should chit and chat. Sounds good to me. Cue music. <laughs> And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host who likes to chit, and Phil. I, I, oh, and I almost interrupted you telling you, everybody, about how you like to chit. But I am your other host who likes to chat, Senda, who apparently is really excited to chat tonight. Yes. So in case you haven't decoded this, uh, the topic for tonight, uh, it's a chit chat episode, um, the March edition. Um, it may not be the only March edition one, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But for now, um, it's our March chit chat, which means that we're not doing a regular topic tonight. Um, life stuff uh, has been uh, like we just we've both had a kind of busy life week. I'm going to talk a little bit about mine um, in the second part of the show. Um, but in either case, uh, what this means is that tonight's topic is what we call a chit chat. Do you want to tell them what the format, how the format goes for the chit chat? Yeah. So basically what we do for our chit chats is we pick, um, something in gaming that's giving us life and talk through that and, and, and try to give that the majority of the show really. Um, and then at the end, do a quick um, peek at something else that is not gaming specifically, that is also giving us life. That's just something that we are excited and passionate about right now. Yes. And as always, we like to um, we like to credit where we learned the phrase giving us life, which was the Gauntlet podcast. So we thank uh, uh, the, the original Gauntleteers um, for such a fantastic uh, term. I love it. Um, I think it's so positive, right? Giving us life. What's giving us life in gaming? Yeah. Um, yeah. So All I'm totally passion. like... All the yeah. passion. Yeah. I, I mean, which is... Look, I think that's how you should approach gaming, right? Like... You, if you're in, if you're going to be in the hobby for any length of time, or if you're going to try to turn pro in the hobby for any reason, you really need to, um, you really need to, on a regular basis, evaluate what is giving you life uh, in in the hobby. I made this uh, comment on the misdirected mark, and I'm starting to think I'm going to stick towards it. That I'm going to start writing some sort of Marie Kondo like philosophy when it comes like for RPGs. Like you should read the actual book. Oh, I first. I totally want to. I totally yeah. want to first. And then I'm I'm really sure that you probably could because it's, I think it's a philosophy you could probably just apply to like things. Just yeah. Everything. But I mean, I, it, I think it's been like a prevailing theme of the pandemic that has uh, what's been really not. I mean, I don't want to say there have been upsides to the pandemic, but if there are um, a silver lining, if there are some silver linings, the slowing down of things consciously, like the conscious effort I, I know I took to slow down things in my life has kind of allowed me to take stock of things and um and like kind of let go of some things that just aren't as important. And, um, and sometimes that's minor. Like, you know, I've, uh, I cycled through a couple of games because, uh, as it turns out, they just weren't giving me life, mm -hmm. but I, I'm going to talk about, we're both going to talk about, um, 
games in just a second that are giving us life. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> would you like to go first? Would you like me to go first so that you can think, control my timing? <laughs> I think I would, actually. I'm afraid if I let you go after me that you might run unchecked just, in your enthusiasm. I might just go on forever. It's possible. It's entirely <laughs> possible. So I think that I'm just going to I'm going to ask you the simple question. Uh, hey, Senda, what is giving you life in gaming tonight? Yeah. I'm, so if you've been following me on Twitter or on TikTok or listening to the Bamboo Lounges after the episodes, um, you probably have a guess about this one, but I'm going to talk about it in a little bit more detail. So um, I'm playing a game right now that is a solo journaling game called Field Guide to Memory um, by Jian Shim and Xing Yin Kor. Sorry. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing and I love it so much. Ah! Anyway, lots of noises of just like, it's so good. But um, the thing that I wanted to kind of specifically talk about are, I think, some of the things that make this particular game and then going forward this style of game so very attractive to me in terms of um, being a life-giving or spoon-giving or spell-slot-giving exercise, right? Um, and... Jian and Xingyin actually came up with terminology to describe what they were doing um, because they're doing it very intentionally. And I've played other games that have played with it before, but I haven't heard a word to truly describe it or to call it out in a way that I would be able to try and like search for it again, right? Um, so the thing that I want to say about Field Guide to Memory is uh, just, just to, to give you a basic idea. Um, it's a journaling game in which um, they've been sending us one email prompt a day, which we've been following up on. And what we're doing is not just journaling, but then we have all this, um, a word that I can't say, ephemera. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, we just have all this really cool ephemera that is coming with the game, right? So some of them are like letters from people or photos of things or like charts, pages of this and that. Um, they're kind of all coming as pieces of the game and pieces of the story for us to invest in, um, interact with, and then, um, you know, do as we will in terms of basically using those pieces to scrapbook into the journal that we're doing. Like you could do this and just write the parts. But you can also do this, and this is what I'm doing, and, like, I have printed out literally everything that they have sent me, and each of those things is in this journal, right? So every single day that happens as a prompt is between um, two to three spreads of pages in this journal, um, and I love it, and it's become a really cool physical artifact of my playthrough of the game and the story and the evolution of both this character, my understanding of this character, and the mystery story that we're following through, right? It's all three of those things at the same time, um, which is why it's super engaging for me because I am engaging with this game not only on a character development level and on a journey, uh, journaling and story level, right? Which is the part where I get to mess around with um, you know, how much of me personally is in here and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I actually have an article about solo games coming out on Gnome Stew. Let's see, what's today? Um, it's actually going to drop the same day as this episode. So you should go check that out because I talked a ton about solo games and why they're really interesting right now. And so I won't rehash all of that necessarily. Um, but this game is specifically built to create a cool artifact. 
um, that is something that you take with you out of the game and out of the experience. Um, and so it's clicking with me both in that I'm doing the character creation and the storytelling and also as a creative outlet in that I'm doing like and, and again, this is something you can get, engage with as much or as little as you want, but I'm spending quite a bit of time doing page layout, design, um, what photo goes where, how do I put this together, how do I make it look both like really nice and cool and also kind of field journally because that is the, the um, you know, kind of the, the look and feel and... Um, aesthetic that's what I'm looking for of the game itself right so like there's like little doodles of like uh, animal tracks like walking through my pages and um, various cryptids just sort of stuck in all over the place because it's about cryptozoology um, so like all of that stuff is just kind of in there scattered throughout making each page um, a different design experience so when I say I've done three pages in a day that means I've done three scrapbooking spreads along with writing story, right? Cool. Sure. So, uh, so this makes complete sense to me, right? Because, um, this is a thing that I have, um, I've written about before and I've talked about in other, um, in, in other situations, which is, um, a, what I like to refer to as, as metagame, not metagame is like, I always have to clarify this when we, when they say this, cause this terminal, this term is, used ambiguously it's not the metagame as in um using personal knowledge inside the game but it's the activity that you do outside of the game and in this case it's actually kind of part of the game as well but it's the activity that you do that kind of supplements the role-playing portion of the game um and in this case what it's doing is um you're not only role-playing the character Right. But it's actually engaged um, the artistic side of you, uh, which I think some people know this, but you you are actually very artistic. Like you you can draw and, and um, you can draw and you've had a, a history of graphic design. Yeah, Like and, I actually have graphic design experience, but I yeah, never, exactly. It's, like, it's really nice to apply it to paper instead yeah. of digital, which is like a change, but also so tactile and cool. Yeah. And, and you're crafty. And so like like. Every like so this game is is engaging all of those things in addition to uh the journaling part of the game because you and I have played a journaling game before, and while that was a lot of fun, yes, right, yeah. it didn't have the same intensity as this because this is hitting like so many other parts yeah. of of your creativity, right? So it it and and it's doing it on purpose, but it's also really smart in that um, it's not a demand. Yeah. Like it's not a demand for you to lay out these things like this. It is an opportunity. And so if you're not super artistic, right, you could play this um, at the level that you're comfortable at. Or if you're like me, who's more, I'm more comfortable digitally than I am in paper. If I was to play this, I could keep my journal like in a, in a layout program. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, could. yeah. And, and then just make mine into a PDF, which, you know, I would lay out all my stuff and I would, you know, feel very artistic because I'm good at organizing shapes on a screen mm -hmm. um, where you are actually artistic. Um, <laughs> well, so here's, here's the words that I wanted to specifically bring up tonight, because I think yeah. these are, this is one way of saying, 
what you have just correctly translated from my excited spiel about why I love this game, right? Um, so there's there's two sort of terms, and they are um, keepsake games, which means this game was intentionally created to have you make an artifact of your journey through the game that you do end the game with a specific um, beautiful, memorable artifact. Like that's part of the point of the game is to have that creation process. Sure. And it was part of their design goals. Um, so a, that's really cool. And then the other one um, is uh, connected path games. And this part is also doing it for me with this game. So the idea with a connected path game is um, that it is a game that generates a thing you do by yourself that makes a thing, right? I'm making a journal. But it's a thing that I can then share with other people, right? And have that community sure. experience of sharing. And the way that that's working with this particular game is I spend a bunch of time designing really cool pages. Sometimes they come out better than others. I mean, everybody, I have my favorite pages. I have my less favorite pages. But, you know, there's a lot of pages so far, right? So, um, but then every day I'm taking pictures of those journal pages and I'm putting them on Twitter with the hashtag and then I troll through the hashtag and look at everybody else's pages, right? Sure. And the experience of sharing those and um, and experiencing other people's pages is another dimension to this game, um, which I think is really cool. But I can also hand this journal to someone and be like, this is my experience, right? Here's this amazing keepsake article, art mm -hmm. article, artifact. Um, and, you know, have that, opportunity to have a connected path experience where I can share it with someone. So I'm going to tell you a couple things that come to mind as you're telling yeah. me this, right? So um, in my Forbidden Lands campaign, uh, you play, so when we, when we used to play in person, yeah. uh, you play with a map on the table yeah. and you actually have to mark the map with um, like every hex you've been through because you don't have to make rolls uh, to pathfind your way back through those hexes. Yeah. So it's actually important to know which ones you have. So, uh, and then uh, on top of that, there is a um, sheet of stickers in the game where you place the various campaign um, locations on the map. They're not fixed on the map. The map has, um, the map has little indicators like this is a dungeon this is a ruin, this is a town, but it doesn't say like, this is the hollows. You have to go get the sticker that says the hollows and stick it somewhere it on the map. <laughs> um, and you don't even have to stick it on one that is a town. You could stick it anywhere else on the map. But the point is at the end of the campaign, that map is a keepsake. Yeah. That, that map is the map of the journeys that our group took. Yeah, so and, and can I tell you a really cool one uh, that's on Kickstarter right now <laughs> that I'm also excited about based on my experience with Field Guide to Memory? So Xing Yin Core is doing Amending, which you may or may not have seen floating around social media. But this game is about a journey to see a friend. And the idea is that you actually have a screen printed kerchief of oh, the yeah. map. And then you actually stitch your story sure. into the map of the kerchief. So not only do you have a keepsake of that experience, it's like a wearable, usable yeah. Yeah. art object that's, that you have created. That's pretty wild. So cool. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I can tell you that when my Forbidden Lands game is done, I'm probably going to put that map up. Oh, yeah. Like, like I think frame that sucker. I think what I'm going to do is buy some character art. Yeah. From the great Matt Morrow. Yeah. And um, basically frame it with the character art and and make a make it a like keepsake. this yeah. was our journey. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the first thing I think of. And then when you were talking about connective path, um, it made me think of another type of metagame that. Um, th- so this has always been as a designer. Um, I read this essay many years ago by Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic. Mm-hmm. who was talking about the the intentional design of the metagame of magic that there are things that like so you play magic right you've played yeah. magic like you you play magic at the table but outside of the game there's all this stuff you can do and you can share Right. So you can like make up decks, come up with combos, and then you can go post them on Twitter or in a forum or whatever. Right. And share them with other people. And if you're, and if you're, you know, um, a war gamer, like if you're a 40K player, right, part of the enjoyment of the game is painting your minis mm-hmm. and sharing the miniature you know, painting. Yeah. Like sharing the images of your, your paintings. Right. So this game. So what I'm finding very brilliant about this game yeah. <laughs> is that this game um, taps into all of those things yeah. very intentionally, right? So, um, And the way it was presented, so um, you and I have both played um, The Beast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Which was fine. That's a, that's a, that's a game. Oh, it was um, fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It, it was. Um, but... What's interesting about this game is that because you all backed it on Kickstarter, you are all playing it simultaneously. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a thing. That is definitely a thing right now. And, and that's going to be a thing that... That so, is going to be part of the experience that I'm that is not going to be something that people can recapture after the fact, right? Nay, I say, I think you can. Oh, really? Let me tell you. Okay. I think you can, because I think what you can do, if you wanted to... Is you can just redo this, like not even change it, but for people who didn't play the first time, oh yeah, you can just start. Like you can be like, hey, start another cycle. Sign up now, mm-hmm. and you know, sign up now for X dollars, and starting in you know April first, we're going to launch. We're gonna send another out all the round. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna start. We'll send you all the emails. And the thing about that is, like, one, you can just go off and play this by yourself. Download the PDF, grab all the stuff, and go yep. play it by yourself. Yeah. But I think the better model is to also offer the shared experience. It's like, pretty cool, yeah. But because, I don't, as designers, I don't know how many times you would want to commit to that. <laughs> but you don't. But but how much work do you have to do to send out the prompts again? Yeah, you already wrote all the prompts. Yeah, that's true. You're just redoing it, and then what you do is you tell everybody like, you tell everybody like you give them a hashtag. Yep. Right. So you just tell them like your hashtag is like whatever, like you know, um, field guide two. Right yeah. or field guide April whatever, and then they all go off and when that launches yeah. into their own shared space together. Yeah, because there have been a lot of people because so many of us are playing this at the same time, so the hashtags keep yeah. floating around, right? 
But the other interesting thing that this has led me to is when this game is over, which is going to end the Friday before this episode drops. Um, so there's only like two days left. And I'm like, ah, what am I going to do with my life? Um, but so when this game is over, I, I did download the um, the Itch Bundle, uh, Solo But Not Alone, which is still going. And it's like 10 bucks for like so many solo games so if this sounds at all interesting to you like you might as well just go get like a bajillion solo games for 10 bucks right um but the reason that i bring that up is because what i'm doing is kind of flipping through those and i may like i may rebuild the experience for myself by finding a game that works on a daily basis. I also backed so many Zine Quest games that are solo games. But anyway, that's beside the point. Also, Gion Shim has another one going right now. Just also super good looking. The Last Will and Testament of Gideon Blythe. Can't wait. Anyway, back to that one too. Moving right along. Um, current idea is to go through and find a solo game that, or, or maybe a couple, right, that I'm interested in playing that will work with prompts on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then build my own group. Be like, hey, who would be interested in playing this game or like, hey, would you all be interested in playing a solo game together like this? And of these three, you know, what, which one do we want? Whatever that is, right? So yeah. I, I am I am seriously considering basically building my own mini version of this just with my connections um, to to still have like the, the connection community part going forward into a different game to kind of tide me over. Yeah. Between things. I mean, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I, but I totally, you if wanna, I were, you if play? I, <laughs> I might, I might, yeah. you know, you know how wary I am of, of committing time. I know. Um, it's okay. <laughs> I'm very careful about committing time, but other than that, yeah, I might yeah. be interested. Okay. Um, cool. All right. I'm going to, are you, are you good? I think I'm pretty good. I, the only thing, the thing I was going to just mention, cause we were talking about artifacts created by games was the quiet year. Cause that's, a, that's a cool artifact. Sure. From a that's game. a, I mean, I, I, I think it's, um, they're always amusing. They are, um, I don't know how, I don't know if they're like a keepsake thing that I would keep in my life forever, but they are a very cool artifact created I, from a game. I mean, look, I keep lots of artifacts from games. Um, I have character sheets from like 10 or 15 oh, years worth of gaming. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> those are, those are artifacts. I keep, I keep character sheets from cons. Yeah. Me too. Those are artifacts. Yeah. I have an, an like, and notebook with notes and stuff. Yeah. But that's, there, I think there's a difference between, an artifact from a game and something that is created intentionally to be a keepsake of a game to like have beauty that you would want to show off. Yes, because I don't necessarily know if I would want to show off my map from from a, a quiet year because those maps tend to be uh, kind of weird. They're a little wacky. <laughs> they're 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 meaningful for the people who played them. They're yeah. not meaningful for if you've if, like if you've ever seen one. Like they're hand drawn. They're drawn by people around in a circle. And- <laughs> it's very chicken scratchy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, cool. but yeah, that was the last thing I just wanted to throw out there. But um, sure. Yeah. 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 So good. You kept me in check. You, you <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> so Phil, tell me what is giving you life in gaming this week? Uh for me, uh it is the game I hunt. Um I hunt, which is monster hunting in the gig economy, uh by um Olivia Hill and Philomena Young from Machine Age Productions. Uh this is a fate game. At its core, it has been extended a little bit beyond um, Fate Core uh, in ways that I really like, uh, that I think are really neat. The premise is fantastic. 
that uh, you are millennials who, in order to uh, have enough money to survive and get by, uh, you have downloaded this app onto your phone called iHunt, which is like the Uber of monster killing. Mm -hmm. Like people put up contracts that they need to get rid of a monster and you swipe right, you swipe left, and then you pick a contract and you go do it and you get paid. Um, which is incredibly dangerous, right? Like, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love, I'm almost finished reading the, the book and it is hard for me. There isn't anything I don't love in this book. So I will run down a number of things that I love. One, I love this premise. Um, I love this premise. I, I've um, it, one urban fantasy is cool. I like urban fantasy. I think Monster of the Week is pretty interesting, right? I, Monster of the Week is perfectly fine. But this premise of this like app and trying to survive, um, one of my favorite things in urban fantasy is always your normal life conflicting with your supernatural life. Yeah, that was how you ended up doing part-time gods and making that yes. a fate game, yeah? Yes, part-time gods of fate is yep. exactly the convergence of those things as well. Um, so I really like, I really like, I really like that part of the game. Um this game has a very uh, distinct political stance. It is not subtle in any stretch of the imagination, um, but I am in full support of it. It is a post-capitalism game. It looks at kind of the... It is a horror game in both supernatural and in its look at post-capitalism. Um, it is unabashed about this, and I am totally fine with that like i am full support of this if you are a person who um does not dig games with a political slant one i'd be curious why you were listening to us <laughs> and i would say give me a game that is truly not political <laughs> but anyway Correct. that's a different conversation no, no i'm with you i'm with you but uh, this game has a very strong political stance it is very vocal about it um i agree with that stance very much um, and I think that it actually enhances the game, right? Like you are not to play like middle-class people busting up monsters because you're trying to make boat payments. Yeah, no. Right. Like you are like, you are people who need to kill monsters to keep your heat turned on. Yes. Right. And it talks about poverty and it talks about, um, living, um, poor in the u.s um in this current age and it is uncomfortable like it is not the there are parts of the book that are uncomfortable um i have been in my past um i have at times in my life been very poor um and i remember a number of these things and i was poor back when it wasn't quite as uh, harsh as it is uh nowadays so um, I connect with this. I connect with this game uh, in a in a couple different ways. The writing is fantastic. It has a very distinct voice. Um, some game editors will try to get rid of that voice. Um, I know my editors have struggled with me with it, but I am also um, totally fine with having a strong, um, like a personal voice in writing a game, and I like that in this game. Uh, the layout and artwork is fantastic. Uh, this book is, uh, this book is colorful and the layout style changes 
throughout the book uh, in all sorts of ways. And I'm just there for it. Like I, I like I was looking at like I was flipping through it and I'm I'm flipping through the PDF because I don't have the physical book yet, but I am going to get the physical book and I'm flipping through it. And I'm just like, oh, there, there's uses of color and texture and font changes when they're like when they describe vampires like the fonts get all like you know calligraphy and fancy because it's you know because it's 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 vampire stuff and um it just does that all over the place and i'm there for it like i love it it is visually pleasing to go through this book um and I'll finally, I'll just mention one other piece of it because I'm just getting this game off the ground. I'm doing my session zero. Uh, it has built-in safety mechanics. You could always use your own safety mechanics, but I will tell you that the, mecha- the safety mechanics in the game um, are perfectly uh, serviceable. In fact, I'm just going to use the ones that are in the game then instead of my normal set uh, because it, it checks off all the, uh, their tools check off all the things that I would like. Um, and it actually also has a, um, a quite, um, it's actually a really good premise, which is like, you really should play games with people you trust, um, at the heart of it. And I, I also agree. I think when you are playing games with people that you have really good trust with, even if there is, um, something that goes wrong, you're still in a safer space, right. Than playing with people that you don't trust. Um, not that I want to get into that for this discussion, but anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and engage the safety tools that are built into the book. I like them a lot. And then the last thing, which I think is really cool. I've played a number of other fate games. Uh, fate, uh, often has this rule where you don't have to kind of make up your whole character right out of the get go. Like you can leave some blanks and then fill them in as you start playing, but they take it one step further. They have this four act pilot episode where you roll no dice because it's just about the players being awesome and being, you know, in the pilot episode of the TV show that, you know, this game emulates. And what you do is in each phase of the pilot, you start to fill in more of the character based on your role playing. I, I so mean, like, you know, how, I love that because you're just showing off competence all over the place and figuring out well, how you want to play them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you, what you do is you 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 do your first five. There are seven aspects in the game. You do the first five aspects, which are defined your high your high concept, your drama, your vision board, um, and your day job. Maybe that's four. Um, you do those, and then you start playing the game. Okay. And then as you start to play it, you you stop and you're like, okay, everybody should pick like their plus four and plus three skills. And then people start filling it. And by the time you get through the pilot, you should have your character finished. Uh, and I and I really like it because one of those things that is always tricky when you're making characters is that you often make your character in totality before you've actually played the game. And like and I have a grace period for this in my own games, right? Like I allow you four sessions out to make any changes you want to your character because now you've actually played the game and you're like, oh, 
I think I really want like I want to change this for that. And I'm, you know, I just allow that to happen in yeah, like you know, sometimes between sessions. I've sat down at your table and like at a convention or something and whipped together a character sheet for like a PBTA game really, really quickly um, and just gone, cool, this sounds like the right stat, da-da-da-da-da, go through. And then we've started playing and I've discovered that the playbook that I picked up, all of my skills are based on a different stat and been like, this is kind of a problem. (laughs) Yeah, and, 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 you know, if I'm running a convention game, I just like, like, if somebody's like, oh, can I swap my, you know, my... um, personality for whatever and i'm like yeah yeah whatever like whatever just do i want we're here to have fun make it fun right but i really like this concept and i really think that this is a very stealable concept for game designers oh yeah this idea of the pilot episode where um the whole purpose of having uh, without engaging the mechanics of the game right because you just want to talk through it you don't want to spend four hours doing this you're really only supposed to spend an hour doing this but by talking through it you uh discover your stuff and it start and we did the first half of it and it totally worked like as we started going into it the players were like oh you know what i think i'm a plus three occult based on this like you know and just started jotting them in and yeah i really like it that's great yeah so it's a neat game. Um, I will say this um, because a couple people have said this: the PDF is thirty dollars. The um, the print book, which gets you the PDF and the print book, and I'm, I think some other stuff, is like seventy. And I know that sounds high, but this is a small company who is being honest about what it takes to keep the lights on. Yeah, and I was very okay with that. Like. I was like, you know what? I dig that. Like, I respect the fact that, yes, this price is high and some people will be like, oh, $70 for a game book. But it takes a lot to put these together. And when you are like a two-person shop, like that means the rest of this stuff you're farming out. And if you want to live off of this, like, you know, the economics are harsh. So I was very sympathetic to it. And um, I will definitely be getting the print version of the game again, because I think when you see the PDF, it is gorgeous, right? Like it's just colorful and all this stuff. And there's also a ton of supplements because, uh, their strategy has been to put out these like little, um, PDF zines yeah, yeah. with more rules and more stuff. And there's a bunch of those out now too. And those are actually not that expensive. Yeah. That makes sense. So, and it makes sense because they're being written by the same people. So you shouldn't have yeah. the D and D splatbook problem. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great, and they, and and they and you don't need to use all of them. They just have like they have one for like romance. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted to like play I Hunt, but you want to up the romance in the game, uh-huh. who, especially if you want to get into like supernatural romance. I mean, who would even? What do you, I don't know why you mentioned that you one would, in particular. Right? I'm just I'm so shocked and astonished over here. Well. Hang on, because uh-huh. if you like that one, let me tell you the other one that they have is I believe they have a supplement on either they have it or they're working on it of I hunt, but instead of playing it now, you are 1950s housewives. Oh my God. Can we combine those two? <laughs> yes, exactly. The right? Like, fuck. <laughs> we are explicit. You have been warned. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, like, you know... Uh, I'm sitting here with my little bangs and my little 
flowers and my little buttons and my little skirt and petticoats. Right. And then just like pick up your baseball bat uh-huh. and like, you know, you know, head like, you know, head out to the warehouse district and like, you know, beat some restless dead, you know, into a pulp so that you can get some cash. Yeah. A little pocket money. Uh-huh. In 1950s terms. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyway, um, anyway, I'm really enjoying this game. I, I when I saw it come out, it had caught my eye and I hadn't I just hadn't jumped on it. And when I was switching games, I mentioned it in passing, and one of the other players in my group was like, Hell yes, I want to play it. I've been interested in it a while. And the other two, as soon as they read the premise, were like, Oh, we're fucking in. And I was like, Let's do this. And then I started reading the book and I was like, I'm enjoying this quite a bit. So, uh, that's, I make a heart symbol here with my hands mm-hmm. and, um, I'm, I heart, <laughs> I heart, I hunt, I hunt, I heart, I hunt. Cool. Let's move on. <laughs> let's talk about let's some move- non-gaming stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about things that are giving us life in the non-gaming realm. Um, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Cause they sort of almost mentioned it. So in the mail right now. So my hair is getting long again. Um, COVID. COVID hairs, right? I chopped it once and I'm just like, whatever. But it, growing it longer has given me the opportunity to futz around with all sorts of like actual vintage looking do's. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. We'll see where I end up putting it later. But like for right now, this is fun. Um, so one thing that I have been excited to mess around with has been and and now I've like done done all the research and stuff and am no longer uh feeling self-conscious about constantly being totally vintaged up so like here we go all the way in right so one thing that I've been excited to try and haven't had the right tools to try in a really effective like stays in all day kind of way because my hair is terrible at keeping curls which is a challenge for vintage hairdos <laughs> just say it um is bumper bangs Bumper bangs are fun. So bumper bangs are like when you get that like perfect circle, like tube of bangs in like a U shape over your forehead. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm looking at you so I can see this in action. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really have them right now. Right now I've done like a cool like off to the side thing, which is sort of like a play on my current standard that I can just pull off with bobby pins. And you can do bumper bangs with nothing but bobby pins, but like my hair won't keep that curl very well, so it would be difficult. Um, so I've ordered the appropriate hair supplies, and I'm I'm couching this term because if you aren't a person who has done a bunch of hair things, you're going to be like, a what now? Because it's called a hair rat. So I've ordered a rat for my hair. <laughs> Which is basically like a little foam bendy thing. Okay, um, okay. And then you like roll your hair around it and then just like pin it in place. Okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> right? Strange strange name, but sure, sure. Right, I think it's, it's called a hair wrap because the old fashioned way to make these wasn't with foam. You would just collect your own shed hair until you had enough and then you would wrap it up in netting and make like a little fluffy sock thing like a rat's nest out of your own hair to put under your other hair and then nobody would be able to see where your actual live hair started and your old dead hair ended other way around where your actual live hair ended and your dead hair started there we go 
Anyway, so it's called a rat and you put it in your hair. Um, and then you can also use it for like the twisty up in the back, like bunny things and stuff, um, which is also super cool because I don't actually have enough hair to truly like do that thing. Um, that's a little bit more 40s, but um, I, I'm, I'm decade flexible. I, I don't think you're trying to hit a certain time period, but more not of a certain super, aesthetic. Yeah, not super specifically. I, I tend to really lean hard in the 50s because um, let's just be honest here. I love wearing petticoats. I love wearing petticoats. And that is a thing that is very much associated with the 50s and like doing a little waspy waist cinched in, like cinch belty dealy. And, um, and then like circle skirts. So A, love petticoats. B, love circle skirts. C, many of them have pockets. It's fantastic. Um, D, I'm wearing lots of grandma sweaters and I feel really cute and put together anyway. <laughs> which is good because I am a cold human and I want to wear wool. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think your COVID look is rocking it. Yeah, yeah. COVID has definitely given me the opportunity to like completely change my wardrobe and commit 100%. I had before committed about 70%, I think. Like mm -hmm. I was leaning in hard. Now I think I'm more like about 120. <laughs> like I'm definitely all the way there. I don't wear, I don't have not vintage days anymore. And now I do the hair, too. But there's not a lot of point in doing the makeup because I put on a mask from going out of the house anyway. Wah, wah. Yeah, right? Anyway, um, tell me tell me about your trip. I'm excited about this. Yes. Um, so uh, I, on Monday, which is why we didn't record Monday night, yep. wa I had the, um, I was able to get my first uh, vaccination shot. Your Fauci ouchie. My Fauci ouchie. Um, <laughs> so I, um, New York State had, you know, New York State rolls these things out in groups and uh, I was eligible for group 1B for medical reasons. Um, nothing too major, but I have, you know, I'm a big dude. I have elevated blood pressure and that cleared me to get into group 1B. Um, and after much fighting <laughs> with the website, um, because uh, the demand is so high, um, but I was able to get a um, vaccination appointment two hours away to the east in Syracuse, um, which is not a hard drive, right? It is two hours on the throughway, which is like, just get on the throughway, drive east, literally drive east straight for yeah, two hours and get straight. off the highway. Good. So um, I took a day off from work and made a day of it. Um, I took a uh, tip from Jerry and I went to uh, the only Long John Silvers in Western New York um, and got Long John Silvers because why not? I have some history with Long John Silvers <laughs> that I won't go into on the episode, um, but it is very nostalgic for me. So like I did actually like um, hit Long John Silvers. It was quite delicious. Um, and then like and then took off for Albany. Um, the uh, the state facility is fantastic. It is um, it's on the state fairgrounds in in uh, uh, Syracuse, so super easy to get to. Like popped off the highway and was like right there. Enormous parking lot, so no problem getting parking. Um, organized and run by the National Guard. I say National Guard. It was either the National Guard or the Army. I'm not sure. Everybody was in fatigues, and I didn't quite look. I didn't quite get a catch at um, insignia to see um, exactly who they were. But very neat, very orderly, 
uh, and very efficient. Like there was a big line queue, like a big serpentine thing, you know, like if you're um, trying to get tickets at Gen Con kind of thing. Or like security at a large airport like mine. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it actually did look like. Um, it did look like morning security at DIA, right? <laughs> but were there Except lizard that, men in the basement? <laughs> I mean, maybe. But um, but the thing was, everybody was social distance. They had markers on the floor, and everybody was very good. Like, just stood on their markers and moved. But that line just never really ever stopped. Right. Like I was like, even if I stopped, it was like for a minute, and then like I would walk like half of one of the, you know, like one of the lengths and then sit for a minute, like stand for a minute and then move another one. I was in and out with my 15 minute wait. Cause you got to like, after you get the shot, you got to sit for 15 minutes. I was in and out in about an hour. Yeah. Which is pretty quick. Very quick. Everybody was very nice. Um, my experience with uh, first shot was um, the actual shot was nothing. I, I get the flu shot every year. It was no different than that. It was it goes right in the arm and and you're done. Um, the that night, it started to get a little sore, like the injection site got sore. Uh, and the day after, which was Tuesday, um, it was very sore. Um, and now we're what two days out. It's Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I can hardly feel it. Yeah. Cool. Like it seems to be seems to be fine. I think I uh, made a whole bunch of spike proteins, and um, and my body is now learning learning what to recognize. Um, and you know, mine's a Pfizer, so it's um, three weeks after your first one. So that week, the twenty second, um, we may or may not record a show. Yeah, we're gonna we 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 will see about that. We're not going to record one on the 22nd, but we're going to kind of see how Phil feels Yeah. Um, for people who are, you know, have not been following this, but I think most of us have your second of the um, Pfizer or Moderna shots um, can have um, kind of a more profound effect because the first one, your body's like, Ooh, what's this protein I should be mounting a defense against. And the second time you get the shot, it's like, Oh, game on. Right. And then like, your immune kill system it. reacts in kill it with fire. Yeah. So, and I don't think anyone knows like who gets the like who gets the four days in bed with the chills and aches, and who gets the eh, my arm hurts a little, but I'm mostly okay, or I'm sleepy, whatever. So, because of that, I'm just not committing anything that week. So. Um, we're just, we're, we're going to tentatively, tentatively not record that week. Yeah. We'll remind people that when it comes up, um, but I don't want to say like, oh yeah, we're totally going to record that week. And then like on Monday, I can't record cause that's the day like after I got the shot and I'm like asleep and then like Wednesday comes and for whatever reason I had a, you know, I had the heavy reaction and now we can't record. Like it impacts your schedule. It impacts my schedule. So we're just going to take it light. Yep. But the cool part is I will then have had two vaccinations, um, which makes me feel a lot more. Um, I feel like we're getting to the actual end of this pandemic, right? Like starts to feel like tr- a light at the end of the time. Yeah. Well, like we had a talk the other night in our game group about like, well, Hey, like when we all have the vaccine, like, would we be comfortable playing again? 
In person. In person. Yeah. And it was like, well, I think so. Yeah. Like, like, like that sounds right. Yeah. But like, it's been <laughs> it's a year, weird, so it, it feels, feels weird, wrong. But I think it's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, I, th- I think that's right. Like, we should do that. Um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's a conversation like that we actually had the other night. Now, not all my friends have it yet. Like, not everyone in my game group. But, but you know, if you keep listening to the news, like, the J&J vaccine's out now. More, like, they're now saying all adults will have it by May. Well, they're saying they're going to produce enough for all adults by May, but they still have to get it into all of the adults. Sure. But, but I it mean, still all moves the- it up a bunch. Yeah, absolutely. But also, all the adults I care about are near major distribution hubs. I mean, that's like, true. <laughs> like you're in a major city. Um, Buffalo has like New York has a whole infrastructure already built. If it had more vaccines, it would just have more people going to the like these sites like and it would just spawn up a few more of them like uh, there, you know. And again, the J- the nice thing about the J&J vaccine is that it's more stable, so that actually can go out into rural areas where um, it was hard. It was going to be a lot harder to bring f- the Pfizer and Moderna ones. Anyway, it's the first little bit of hope I think I've felt in a while. It's the first time I've been like a little bit hopeful, and uh, it feels pretty good, right? Like it, it feels like. Um, it feels like just a little bit longer, right? Unless you're in Texas and, Mis- and Mississippi, and then it's Oy. they've gotten full Hunger Games. Not the people of Texas or Mississippi, just, just the, the government. Governor. Yeah, which which unfortunately I, means the government is going to let people who don't care kill a bunch of people who do. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that by and far the people of Texas are quite rational and understand mask and safety and all that, but you know their government's just going to hang them out in the wind. But anyway, that's a separate topic. Anyway, uh, I have my first shot. I feel fine. Like if you if you've been wondering about it, or you're nervous about it. I can tell you right now, from my personal experience, the first shot is not terrible. I mean, my arm definitely hurt, but I also have some experience with hurt arms, so hmm. it wasn't really the end of the world for you me. You were just symmetrical. <laughs> well, yes, I, I did decide that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to not have the injection put into my bad arm um, because my bad arm hurts from time to time anyway. I really can't imagine if it like like got inflamed from the yeah. shot. Ow. I was like it it like it already there are times where I'm not happy with it. I would be seriously not happy with it. So I was like, no, go put it in my good arm my good arm. Um, <laughs> no one else could see the bunny ears around good arm. But it did mean that like Tuesday I went to get something uh, like off the top shelf and I normally do that with my right arm. Yeah. And I like put my right arm up and I'm like, Ugh. and then I went to put my left arm up and I'm like, Ugh. Ugh, whatever, like not, not really better. Like whatever. Oh, I was just like, whatever, fine. Like, Ow. Great. Anyway, that's, um, I think it's a good place where we could wrap up. Yeah, I think um, so. For tonight. Um, so yeah, we'll talk more. We'll keep you up to date, but basically if my, if my production math is right, if we don't record on the 22nd, then there would be no episode on the 29th. Correct. Yeah. Yep. That is probably the episode that we are talking about. Yep. Now, if for some reason that like by the end of the week, I feel fine, we may we, just drop in and can, do a quick yeah, record. Because we can do that now because I don't edit anymore. And hint, <laughs> it will probably be a, a chit chat. Probably because then we won't have and, to write any notes. <laughs> 
correct. It will probably be a chit chat if we do one for the 29th. All right. Anyway, we should wrap up. And in order for us to wrap up, we have to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Perhaps you know one that we could discuss. Well, uh, tonight I was thinking that I would tell you about the Misdirected Mark podcast on which Phil, who's that guy? Um, Bob and Jerry go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. And that, my friends, is what it sounds like when I actually look at the text. (laughs) Say, Senda, where do people find us uh, on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can chase us down on secret TikToks. Did you change your TikTok handle yet? No. <laughs> no. Remind me later. Okay, I'm going to write a note. <laughs> anyway, Phil, once once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Yeah, you should leave us topics for us to do shows about. I mean, obviously, we did not do that tonight. Um, we did a chit-chat, but we have our reasons for when we uh, deviate from that. But we love to get topics from you, questions, topics, things you want to hear us talk about, etc. Um, our goal on the show is always to um, hang out with each other. But really, it's um, our real goal is to make your games better and more enjoyable for you and the people that you're playing with. And the way we do that is by taking those topics uh, and sharing some of our insights and experiences. So please um, just keep those coming in. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. It's patreon.com slash MMP. Uh, Patrons get access to the um, Slack Room for Life I love that place. Mm-hmm. Um, quite nice, quite enjoyable, great group of people. If you, um, there's all sorts of topics to talk about. You can come join us on our. Um, you can come join us on our Friday video luncheons on Zoom that I host. Um, that's also quite enjoyable. Um, you get access to the Bamboo Lounge. Uh, Fifteen minutes of absolute nonsense from us. Um, you get the Misdirected Mark After Show, which really is just a. I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it's whatever is mm. it's whatever we decided not to go off the rails on and talk about during the show winds up in the after show. Um, so it can it can go anywhere. Um, it can go anywhere from ranting to funny stories or whatever. It's pretty enjoyable um, as we go into the uh, you know as we cover the after show after the show on misdirected mark um and then you know there are other things that in the past um we've been able to give out to our patrons um i think that's going to come back around in 2021 at some time we're you know coming out of the pandemic we'll start reviving the production arm of of you know of encoded designs and once we start making stuff we can start sharing stuff yeah um which we like to do with our patrons yeah so uh, that that is also a thing. Uh, also, your patronage goes to keeping the lights on and makes everything that we do here possible from hosting our show um, to making sure that we back up the website so we don't have another <laughs> catastrophic failure um, to just gear. We podcasters need gear and stuff. So um, you make all of that possible. So thank you very much. We appreciate your support. If you are already backing the Patreon campaign, thank you again. Uh, If you are unable to back the Patreon campaign, that's not a problem at all. We totally understand. There is a thing you can do. 
we really need help getting people to hear us um, because we think, and I think you think, that if you listen to us, you will love mm. us. But in order to do that, we need, get to get, we need to get people to listen to us. Already, we thank you because you've already told all your friends and fellow gamers to listen to us, and we appreciate that. But there is one more thing you can do that helps the faceless search algorithms pair our fine show with some listeners that we or you don't even know. Senda, what's the thing they have to do to make that happen? Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show because it does the thing for the faceless algorithms. As they sort through the fields of AI, they go, ah, yes, pandas, recommend this one. And then we jump for joy and eat more bamboo. And it is delicious. Yes. Good. Thanks so much to everyone who's already left a review. We super duper appreciate you. I bought bamboo I bought bamboo the other day and it's in my living room now. I have real live living bamboo and I promise I won't eat it. Probably. Yes. There we go. Very good. <laughs> Say Senda. Um what topic do you want to do next week? Well, we got one from Karen Twelves that we need to address. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Whoa. Am I really loud? No, check, I think check. I'm good. Click, click, boom. I love that song. <laughs> All righty. Uh, let's just jump right in. Let's do yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. I think that's Let, a good idea. We'll do show because I'm so excited to show you the Bamboo Lounge. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've been sitting on this for a while, and I was like, I could have just texted oh, no. you this earlier, but I'm like, no, no I'm going to save this. It. You want to see I want it. to okay. see with my eyes. Um, I want to see it. Okay. I'm taking this off because my sleeve is apparently short enough that yes. this will happen. And then yes. I'll be like, was someone rolling dice? What was happening? I, I have um, I have my recording watch face on. Ooh, how fancy are you? <laughs> Special you, watch I'm face like, show just me, for recording. But you can't really show me because you can't really like twist your arm around. Them. Yeah, but it, eh, it's it turned off. <laughs> it's got a, it's got regular clock date, mm -hmm. but it's got stopwatch at the bottom. Oh, so I can so keep track of the elapsed time of the recording. How long we've been? So this is the tri Phil tries to keep us from going long watch face that didn't help when i did it on misdirected mark yesterday didn't help like, at all i know but at least i knew i was like wow we're really like this thing's taking forever <laughs> all right let's get into it ready <laughs> yes boom boom